The Guardian. Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes creating a professional website for your business, personal brand or portfolio so easy it's newsworthy. Go to squarespace.com and use the offer Guardian to get 10% off. Guardian Unlimited. Hello, welcome to Media Talk, which is the new weekly media podcast from the team here at Media Guardian. Uh, I'm Matt Wells, uh, the editor of Media Guardian. Over the next 20 minutes or so, uh, we'll be pondering the big media stories of the week with a panel of top media commentators. Well, uh, well a few people were hanging around outside the door anyway. Hello, I'm John Plunkett and welcome to Media Talk. It's a special edition of this week's show, and not just because it's the last one. We'll be hearing from contributors and presenters, past and present, in our first ever Media Talk phone-in. So it might sound live, but it's actually pre-recorded, just like the ones you used to get on the BBC. This is Media Talk from The Guardian. And our first caller is on line one. Who's there, please? It's Lisa Campbell. Lisa Campbell, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Yes, we've uh, we've got exciting news about the Edinburgh Festivals. Yeah, well, this is, of course, Lisa Campbell, former editor of Broadcast, now in charge of the Guardian Edinburgh International TV Festival. So your McTaggart lecture is going to be this year delivered by uh, David Abraham, chief executive of Channel 4. Big signing, of course. Tell us why why you went to him and, and how that he sort of fits in with the theme of this year's festival. Uh, well, he fits in brilliantly with the theme of this year's festival, of course, um, which is the business of creativity. Um, he's worked at a number of broadcasters. He's worked in the US, um, at TLC. Um, he's worked at Discovery UK TV, where he famously launched the Dave Channel, and now spearheading Channel 4. And he also um, comes from an advertising background with a successful advertising agency, which he, which he sold. So I think it'll be quite interesting to hear him talk about the lessons learned from advertising, his view on Channel 4's place in this era of seismic change with globalisation and technological change. And I think, you know, just really talking about Channel 4's cultural impact um, and maintaining that is, is going to be really interesting to hear. And it is actually more than a decade since anyone from Channel 4 has delivered this lecture and four years since anyone from the UK has, has given the lecture as well. So yeah, was, I think um... it's about time we had a Brit. That was Mark Thompson, wasn't it? The last Channel 4 guy was Mark Thompson back in 2002. Whatever happened to him? Indeed. <laughs> um, and the mammoth task putting the festival programme together. But uh, it's beginning to take shape. Give us a sense of uh, just one or two of the other uh, the faces you've got coming along. Uh, we've got Dynamo, and it's actually the first time that him and the team have will take an audience behind the scenes and we'll just be getting a bit more on the kind of production challenges involved. And, and a bit more on Dynamo as well, who is actually quite a shy character. Um, and we've also got Gogglebox, um, which I'm really looking forward to because we've got Steph and Dom, uh, who um, have been making headlines recently. Uh, so, uh, I don't want to hopefully. see that session, but I want to watch other people watching that session. That's what I want to do. Yeah, uh, well, we've got, we've got quite a nice little um, addition to that one as well, where we will be watching execs, watching TV with exec ah. watching them in a very yes you know very postmodern isn't watching it, their own them? watching their own channels yeah yes exactly and uh, I'm particularly <laughs> excited about Jeb Mercurio of uh, Line of Duty fame as well and, yes absolutely and the League of Gentlemen chaps yes yes 
so yeah it is it's all it's all coming together we've got some great creators we've got some other international names that we're going to be announcing shortly as well so um yeah watch the space well thanks for calling in um uh, who's next uh, line seven it's bobby ewing stepping out of the dallas shower john plunkett that's no that's no bobby that sounds like stephen brooke Correct, all the way from sunny Sydney, Australia. My goodness. So I guess I should be saying g'day. Commiserations. <laughs> well, thanks. Well, just generally. <laughs> Actually, uh, as luck would have it, I am moving house and I'm just going through all, yeah, all my cuttings and clippings from... Um, Bygone eras. It's delicious, actually, because I can completely embarrass you. I found a vintage copy of Heat magazine from 1999 Uh with Austin Powers on the cover. I think it's time to fess up, John. You had a hand in this, didn't you? I was briefly a deputy news editor on Heat magazine and uh, editing... Which I believe EMAP styled as its worst ever launch. Yeah, I've got to say, I wasn't there at the launch, but uh, I was there at, at its lowest ebb. I peaked with Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen's new, uh, new designer wallpaper. <laughs> maybe think I, I got out before it went under, uh, and, and then it sold half a million copies. So it's, it's that kind of right. foresight that uh, encourages me you to buy a lottery. You got out when the going was very bad. <laughs> yeah. So, Steve, where have you been? Now, what, are you, what are you up to? You're, you're, you're editing something, what? is that right? You're in charge of people. I, uh, I've had a um, career shift still in journalism, but I've taken a great leap sideways into weekend lifestyle journalism. So I'm working still for a newspaper, the Australian newspaper, which is 50 years old this year, founded by Rupert Murdoch in 1964. Congratulations. And having swapped press and publishing, I'm now in charge of food and wine, gardening, property, motoring, style, fashion and design, and the astrology columnist. So the, well, the astrology, that's how I'm liking that particularly. I'd like to say I'm multifunctional. I actually had to write my first ever fashion story the other week because we had a certain young couple, one of whom was Kate Middleton, in town. And, you know, she wore a dress by an Australian designer. And, uh, you know, we all went slightly nuts. And I realised my career had taken a turn when I found myself on the phone ringing around trying to find where we're at with white lace dresses and and where are we at with white lace dresses steve well i think you'll find that they've been moved from the back of the shop to the front window and with anything that kate middleton seems to touch selling out instantly it's like dealer in a certain type of frying pan (laughs) so steve uh, your, yeah, happy memories of Media Talk. It's been a while since we had, a new, had you on here on a regular basis. Indeed. I can remember actually very early on being trapped with Emily Bell and Steve Hewlett, who were involved in a kind of nerd-off on British digital media policy. It started with Steve saying, I've read more policy documents on this area than anyone else, and Emily Bell saying, actually, Steve, I think you'll find that I have. Uh, and I sat them listening to them going into more and more obscure documents. And at so much of my time at The Guardian, thought something that I felt I actually couldn't say, which was, come on, you two, you've got to go outside and settle this with a bout of jelly wrestling. Yeah, thank you. And, and, that, and, and I, I trust that never happened. What, whatever happened to Steve Hewlett, eh? Yeah, yeah. No idea whatsoever. But um, I like to think he got inspired by media talk to... Uh, Some kind of weekly media show. Into a, yeah, onto a sort of more mainstream platform. Actually, speaking of platforms, I want to acknowledge you for doing one of the most brilliant things 
ever uh, that I experienced at my time at The Guardian. <laughs> this actually made it into print. This one made it into print, which was, remember when the Telegraph moved to Victoria Station and uh, they were the great digital frontier and every single journalist in the world was trying to get a tour of the Telegraph Media Group's Victoria offices. At some point, there was a leak that sprung into the men's toilets. And this resulted in some raw sewage dripping down from the Telegraph offices into Victoria Station below. And you wrote an item in Monkey uh, which questioned... Was this what the Telegraph Media Group really meant by pushing content out onto multiple platforms? <laughs> Mr. Brooke, goodbye. <laughs> Bye-bye. Our next caller is on line four. Line four, who are you? It's James Robinson. The former Observer Media Editor turned Powers Court PR. That's correct. You've got it in one. The best-dressed man in, uh, in, in media. In a not very competitive field. Well, Apart yeah, from yourself, but, yeah, thanks. Yeah, a little, little bit slow there. But uh, well, thank you for thank you for joining us on our last last uh, media talk podcast. Very good of you. It's time we time we got a bit serious. I think uh, James, you know, because it's our last chance mm-hmm. to sort of grapple with the uh, the issues, not least how the uh, the print world is uh, has adopted to uh, the challenges of digital. You know, I don't want to suggest to our listeners this is a question we put to you earlier, but uh, you got, have you got any thoughts on that? <laughs> no, it's nothing. Something I haven't oh. thought about for a while. But it, as it happens, because of my vast experience in the media industry, I do. Ha- I always, I'm always ready with some thoughts on on that very subject. Good, get your card I mean, out. The, the, the simple, the simple fact is that editorially, I think it's adapted to the online world reasonably well. Mail Online springs to mind, a great example of changing your brand to suit a new medium. iPlayer was in need of an upgrade, but it was an inspired idea. Commercially especially in print, it's obviously been fairly catastrophic. But it's difficult to know what anyone could have done differently given the, the fact that the, the internet and the online world has basically destroyed print media, monopoly on, on distribution, really, the distribution of information. It will, you know, that, that has gone forever. Can you ever put the, 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 the genie back into the bottle, if, if uh, that's the right phrase? You know, are paywalls mm. on print ever going to become commonplace? Or, or is that indeed the answer anyway? Is it, is it not the pursuit of, it, of, of enormous figures to, to one day get that, yeah. uh, get that you know, decent-sized ad revenue? Well, that's a, the jury is out, as they say. But, but, I mean, if anyone can do it, The Guardian and The Mail Online can. They're the two, really, that, that well, I guess are the, the only two English-speaking titles that are pursuing that scale over... You know, advertising over paywall strategy um, and if they can break into that sort of top 100 global sites or US sites and claim a big slice of some digital advertising budgets which are ex- themselves expanding then there's a chance but I do I do think it's, it's going to end up it's a, it's a fairly anodyne answer but as a, as a mix of all of the above you know I think newspapers missed a trick by not launching standalone products I mean the mirror have done it now but standalone products without any clue to the readers that that they belong to a, a giant parent media company that's well established you know what's the mirror example you're thinking of there that's a, us versus them which is a very innovative and clever and creative news site aimed at i guess aimed at a younger audience which is which is sort of irreverent and very spirited and it, it is a bit of a damning indictment on the uk media we haven't seen more sites like that but but you know this is a sort of almost a Gutenberg moment isn't it with a new format has arrived in the, in, in the form of the internet and digital media and, and really the, the, the old monopoly on disseminating information and 
basically deciding which of the powerful and influential words and statements are going to be distributed en masse to the populace. That job, newspapers were like a secular priesthood in that sense. Now, they're the ones who decide what gets disseminated, what's the, what doesn't. Now, that has gone forever. I mean, I do think the status and power and influence of journalists, you know, having been at an all-time high in the latter part of the 20th century, is, is, is just going to diminish and keep on diminishing which is a cheerful note on which to end. It is. It's a, it's a, it's a lovely optimistic note. Well, you know, I, I, I paraphrased Homer Simpson once before, so I'm going to do it again, James, which is uh, he said of alcohol, it's the uh, solution to and uh, cause of all the world's problems. And, and, and I kind of think digital is the same uh, yeah. in relation to yeah. media. Exactly. No, that's very well put. I mean, you know, very kind. It's absolutely true. As on, as on this thing, as on so many others, Homer Simpson and, and John Plunkett are, are speak with one mind, with one voice. On that note, uh, James Robinson, thank you for today and for all your contributions. Uh, over it's been last. a pleasure. I'll miss you. Keep, keep getting the Paul Smith sales shot. <laughs> Cheers, John. Just keep that between ourselves. I will do. I will oh. do. It's, it's a well-kept secret that's shared only by a few thousand others. And, <laughs> Fantastic. James Robinson, thank you very much. Time to go to uh, line one again, and we've got uh, Liz Howell on the line. Liz, what do you want to talk about? Well, first of all, I want to say that I'm not a taxi driver calling uh, Radio 5 Live, which makes me quite an unusual character, ringing a radio uh, phone in. I think that's still predominantly men that do that, but maybe I can rant on about that in a minute. One of the things I think you were talking about was uh, the rise of digital and how digital's affected broadcasting in the last eight years since you've been doing the podcast. And I just want to put in a plea for, like, a reality check here, because digital is only a delivery system. Obviously, the web and the communication and information on the web has made a fantastic difference to the way we sort of run our everyday lives but actually digital as such I don't think has made a fundamental change to broadcasting and that just makes me sound like some hideous Luddite but I'm not at all I've thought about this and there are other things in the world that have altered our lives far more than digital as such as I say it is just a delivery system and I can't think of a single program content wise which actually relies on digital delivery. Of course, if you look at YouTube, that totally relies on digital delivery. But with the exception of, of BuzzFeed and the GIF, where you know, things are repeated over and over again, which is a technical freak, if you like, the, the delivery system hasn't affected the content at all. And one of the most interesting phenomenon recently, I think, is Gogglebox, which is a really, really interesting, entertaining, popular program about people sit, sitting watching telly. You know, if you'd told me in 2002 that that would happen, I'd have said, forget it. Are you a Gogglebox viewer, though, Liz? Yeah, I like it. I think it's really good fun. And actually, sometimes I think it can be incredibly informative. I mean, I hadn't really clocked the, uh, the Crimea offering the warm water port to Russia until that woman said it on Gogglebox. And that's terrible, isn't it? I'm a news journalist. But, but isn't, it, isn't, it just some... a, isn't it just a reality TV show by another name in which the, which the gimmick yeah. is they're sat watching TV? Yeah, so what's the problem with that? Well, it's mildly depressing, isn't it? <laughs> Not a bit. It's great. It's good fun. And, and there are insights, and you see other people reacting. And the fact they're reacting to telly doesn't make their reactions any, any less uh, insightful or viable. I think it's great. I'm really enjoying it. Don't you like it? No, I'd rather watch reruns of Everdrees and Circles. But, you know, well, maybe that's that just too, me, of course. Know, yeah. yeah, you see, you've got everything. I suppose that is something that the digital world has changed. It's the enormous amount of offering. And that is quite interesting if you're a programme maker, because not only are you competing with what's being made now, you're, be you're competing with what's ever been made. I think it was Alex Graham that said that, you know, the wall-to-wall -wall chair. And he said, you know, you're competing with everything that's ever been made. So it's not just, you know, what's on now. It's champion the wonder horse and never-decreasing circles and lassie, you know. Uh, yeah, and I tell you what it is bad for. It's bad for my, my cupboard, uh, which I've mentioned once before, but uh, let's mention it again. My cupboard of physical formats. Oh, my, right. my little box of DVDs and CDs is just gathering dust. Never do I, I look up and think, oh, I'll tell you what, I'll get my box set of, I don't know, 
Bo Selector out because they're saying it's, it's it's all it's all in the cloud, isn't it? It's all there. It's all under. Yeah, but you could give that away. You know, give it to your local church fair. Do something decent with it. I'm not but sure even they do. want it anymore. Well, you never know. But the point is that you're still clinging onto it. You haven't put it in the bin, and that's quite interesting. We've still got some old VHSs we watch from time to time. It's only it's only technology. That that's all it is. I do remember years ago, way back in the 1970s, 60s or 70s, there was a program about how to turn your old, old vinyl records into flower pots by heating them up and sort of melting them around the edges and so on. Yeah, I tried to. I got it the wrong way around. It was, it was a disaster. Oh, the flower pot. Yeah, I'm I tried to turn the flower pot into the vinyl. It sounded terrible. <laughs> anyway, Liz, thank you very much. I'm here all week. Well, I'm not Can anymore. Can I say one more thing? Yeah, go on, yes. Don't You've got 60 seconds. Women, don't let the expert women campaign ever go out of anybody's thoughts. We still have quite a fight on there to get more women on TV and radio news, so please don't let that one go away. Liz Howe, thank you very much. So it's time to open up uh, lines uh, 8, 9 and 10. Who, who have we got down the line here? Oh, uh, who, who, who's on line 8? Oh, I think I'm on li- line 8. Oh, John Plunkett. This is, a, this, is a bit of, is this is a blast from your past, Plunkett. Is that, sounds like Matt Wells. So that was the answer, wasn't it? Yeah. And <laughs> it who, who, else, who else is there? Hello, line 9. This is Janine Gibson. And line 10 only leaves to, to ask? It's it Emily Bell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that word's a treat. It's just like old times. Have, have I won the tickets? You, you have, yes. <laughs> yes, everybody. It's, uh, let me recap. It's uh, Matt Wells, Janine Gibson and uh, Emily Bell. Welcome all. How are you? Yeah, well, we're all fine. How are we? Yeah, we're very good, thank you, John. Although very, very sad. Yeah, we're we're particularly d- disappointed that it's come to this. Well, what have you done to media talk while we've been away? <laughs> well, yeah. Have you got it axed? <laughs> well, you know, changing business <laughs> models. You know, it's, it's it's not the world it was eight years ago. You know, there's a lot well, fewer, well, there's no, a lot fewer indeed, people on mobile now than there used to be, and uh, you know, stuff like that. Well, it, well, it's the end of linear podcasting, isn't it, Emily? It is the end of linear podcasting, though. Actually, interestingly enough, one of my students has just been doing a project on the massive revival in podcasting. Oh, good. So it's, oh, it's good. nice to know that you're all behind the curve over there. Well, you'll no doubt be pouring lots of money into video, which we've just uh, also released an enormous report on saying it's a total waste of time. So uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to bring it back in the subtlest yeah, way. possible. It's taken on quite the character of a Guardian board meeting. <laughs> yeah, well, jolly good. Anyway, moving on, or moving backwards. Uh, you three uh, were, were all there at the, the, at the beginning, especially you, Matt, the, the original yeah. uh, presenter of Media Talk, of course. Well, well, um, well, well that's right. Or, or, or co-creator, as I, as I think I'm building the credit. <laughs> co-creator, right. And also yeah. Sony, Sony Award winner, of course. Did we win a Sony Award? I'm not sure we did. I think uh, you won we, a silver. Uh, we, silver we and bronze. Silver, that's right. Well, they, well, they don't really count, do they? I mean, it's all about the girls. So, well, you know, you know, but you're quite right. We are, we are, we are a Sony Award-winning podcast. Back in the day... Take um, us back to uh, 2006. Well, that was when we were in uh, Farringdon Road, of course, in the old uh, Guardian, uh, 1950s Guardian headquarters, stuck on the fifth floor, right in the corner, in a converted, literally a converted broom cupboard. Or it might have been, actually, it might have been Roger Alton's old office. But whatever it was, it was definitely converted. It was certainly not built for the purpose. And it had lots of, sort of egg boxes on the wall. And a very sort of, you know, I think we purchased a... Um, a mixing desk secondhand from somewhere and, uh, and rigged it up with a few microphones. And Emily, you were there at the beginning too, weren't you? So, yes, I was going to say, so can I just say, this is me and, me and Neil McIntosh, who's now at the BBC. What happened was we had... Was it your idea? Do you remember, the, do you remember the, golden day, the golden age of the Ricky Gervais wanting to put his podcast on The Guardian, to which I rather rashly said yes, and it turned out to be enormously popular. And halfway through, Neil and I kind of panicked about the fact that everybody was now going to expect us to be masters of podcasting, and we had literally nothing. So we, yeah. so we, knocked, we knocked up this studio in the corner of the room for £5,000, I think it cost us, in, yeah. in 
total. And we made the football team go first. They had to podcast, I think, on every single day of the European Championship. That's right. And because never wanting of ego, I said, oh, we should maybe do one about media too. And in the early days, so in the very early days, I remember we had Steve Hewlett. He was one of our triumvirate. And the BBC was so... The BBC was so rattled by our instant and soaring success of having about a thousand listeners that they stole Steve and made him do the media show instead. With, with, I just with remember that in that cupboard with all the egg boxes, which was not a big cupboard to start with, we weren't all allowed to be in there at the same time because we couldn't physically fit. That's so right. You had Matt, Steve and Emily in full float. Me and Gareth had to come in afterwards That's and right. do stupid jokes about telly. Yeah, yeah. But now, of course, John, you're, you're sitting in a, in a multi-million dollar... Uh, broadcast suite, aren't you? I've got, a, I've got a massive studio, but it's only me in it. <laughs> plenty of room to stretch. Plenty of room to stretch. G- Janine, it's not just the podcast that's uh, that's changed over those eight years, but the Guardian is a, is a, is a very different beast, uh, a, a rather more outward-looking uh, organisation now than it was uh, back in two thousand and six. The very fact that all three of you are in New York uh, for a start, right? Um, I'm right. Still well, here. The, the Guardian has shed quite a lot of dead weight and sent it all over to New York <laughs> with the excuse <laughs> of setting up an American website, where, where we've been for the last three years. When Media Talk started, the Guardian was you know was a mere fledgling operation in Farringdon Road well you know it was a it was a UK focused still very print dominated organization the website was a, was on the fifth floor now of course the guardian is a global website pulitzer prize winning uk press press award prize winning global operation with a, uh, offices in Australia and uh, an Australian website which has been very successful um, an American website uh, headquarters at King's Place in London which are fully functioning for the digital multimedia age it's, uh, you know, it's really quite a dramatic transformation in a short period of time And Emily you talked about uh, you, you referenced podcasts and video there how do you think um, uh, you know, back in 2006 print organisations were only beginning to get to grips with, with how they sort of embrace multimedia how, how do you think which ones have succeeded? Who have failed? I mean, has it, has it panned out uh, as people thought? You know, how multimedia, how effectively multimedia have, have, have newspapers become? So first of all, it's very sad that it's the end of media talk podcasts. As I say, there's a, there is, and I'm not joking about this, there is quite a significant revival in podcasting over here at the moment with people like Slate and others sort of generating um, sort of big traffic around it. There's been a lot of investment in video which frankly hasn't paid off in terms of the enormous returns on investment that people are expecting and, and which is still pretty hard to kind of you know work out that uh, everybody of course in print organizations wants to get their mitts on it because it feels a bit like being in telly and they discover that in fact they don't really know what they're doing and so when you look across who's done well out of that sort of real kind of multimedia part of it it tends to be places actually like new york times and the guardian who have found a third way if you'd like to like to call it that through things like interactive you know graphics and presentations whilst actually audio and video has still been something which i'm sure will absolutely come into its own and somebody will crack it but as of now it hasn't made the same progress it's kind of it's stalled a little bit i think just in terms of how people are thinking about it and using it i think the the big difference then and now is that then you know we set up an audio department and we set up a video department and we had a graphics department and they were all very separate and everyone did kind of separate things and we were trying to work out what the Guardian would sound like and, and, and what the Guardian would look like on video and now I think there's, there's a really great push that you can see 
uh, at lots of different news organizations to integrate this more. So you don't have people doing video over there uh, in one corner of the newsroom and people doing audio in a different part of the newsroom and people doing text in a third part of the newsroom. You know, we're trying to very much to integrate these into the core of, of, of what we do. And the bits of the story that are told best in video, we'll tell those in video. The bits of the story that are told best in text or graphics or tables, we'll, we'll do it that way. Rather than seeing these things as separate and different parts of, of the organisation, the direction of travel now is very much integrating all, all of these. Janine, don't you think? Yes. <laughs> He's exposing me because I'm reading my email. <laughs> As ever with media talk, I thought, oh, Matt and Emily are bollocking on about the future. I'll just, che- I'll just check if there's any news. Just like the old times. Has, has anything happened? Are we all right? We're fine. We're fine, good. But the way it does feel, Janine, I remember a, a presentation I think you gave where of, of, of uh, the way print journalists should, should adopt video is by very much self-started, doing it yourself, doing it quickly, doing it well, but maybe doing the whole thing on your iPhone, filming it, editing it, and then, and then putting it out all, all, in, all in one hit, all by yourself. In our limited experience here, here in New York, and we have a tiny team, necessity being the mother of invention, and you know, we don't have multimedia suites, and the, the idea of a half-hour daily program is not, not an option for us. We found that thinking about video not as a separate channel, not as a sort of section on the nav bar that goes, would you like to watch some video today? But is the reporter's out on the story. Here, here are some words. Here's a bit of video if it's a story that requires some video. Here's a bit of audio if vice versa. Has been more effective for us, where you really don't think of it as a separate thing. It's just part of the way you're telling the story. We had a bit of success around the election, the US election, where we obviously couldn't afford OB trucks or anything like that, but we, we would send Adam Gabbett, who you will recall, you know, off into the middle of the convention floor or the, uh, uh, the rousing rally, and um, he can you know, film the key bit of the speech or the crowds cheering or the balloons dropping, to upload that, turn it around, get it into a live blog faster, pretty much, than, um, than even a relay with an OB truck. That's sort of enough. You don't need an hour and a half footage. You just need the, the key moments. So that's worked quite well for us. I'm not sure if it's a revenue model or, or, or will save the future of digital journalism, but um, it is... Sorry, Matt's playing with my microphone. But it's definitely in a more, a more effective way, a richer way of telling stories. Okay, and here's an either-or question. You could, we can either look backwards or look forwards. Uh, sort of a, a treasured memory of Media Talk, if you fancy, or in, in the absence of uh, this podcast in a week's time, uh, is there a podcast that you point someone towards uh, you know, to fill their, uh, fill their commute to work? But uh, to take either question, whichever you fancy, uh, or neither, and, and, and come up with your own and answer it. Uh, one of my favourite podcasts is the one which, uh, well, one of the ones that, that, that Emily was alluding to, the Slate Gab Fest, which has always been a, a fantastic insight into American politics and is done in a kind of really kind of smart and funny and engaging way uh, not unlike um, your own podcast John and um, <laughs> you're a beautiful so, man so that, would be a, that would be a recommendation but I think also I think you're absolutely right in, in, in that uh, it's also true that people aren't listening to these kinds of edited and regular programs in the same way that they were before so I completely recognize I mean I can completely understand why sadly this is the uh, the, the end of the road for this particular venture and, I'm uh, very much looking forward to this being brought back in about three <laughs> months time <laughs> due to being inadvertently acted at the height of its popularity yeah. uh, but in the meantime you could listen to Felix Salmon's new podcast on Slate which is very good 
and my memory of media talk is mostly just laughing like drains. Yeah. And Ben Green, producer Ben Green at the time, telling us all to shut up and stop being so self-indulgent. Yes, yeah. of <laughs> course, which is advice that we've obviously taken to heart. Um, we're, to heart. We're in, no, in no means self-indulgent anymore. Emily, your closing thoughts. You know what, there'll be a reinvention of the wheel in about five minutes' time. I mean, I think, you know, kind of, I don't like to sound like, you know, the old person of doom. Well, it's not really doom, it's just that, you know, um, digital doesn't have much of a memory. So actually, all of this stuff has been happening for well over 10 years in one way or another, and it keeps going away and it keeps coming back again. And so, you know, kind of like audio is, in, because, of, because of smartphones, audio is enormously popular. I will endorse Janine and say Felix Pat Salmon's new podcast. He's actually doing it with a colleague of mine now at Columbia University called Cathy O'Neill, who's absolutely brilliant. So they're, but they're both brilliant mathematicians talking about numbers, which is, and, and it's much funnier than you would think from that description of it. I think there's an interesting gap in the market for a media podcast, actually. Yeah, so it's yeah, yeah, writing yeah. down, writing, yeah. writing that down. <laughs> if, 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 only, if, only, if only we had a decent presenter and, and, and a good roster of panellists. <laughs> right, OK, yeah, I, yeah I, we've run out of time, yeah. OK, all right. <laughs> Have we? All right. Are we anyway. done? Is that it? We look forward to having you back in, uh, in three months' time on the Media this, Talk uh, comeback. Is this the end of an era? It is. It is the end of an era, yes. Uh, the end of an era. <laughs> Got to move on. Lots to fit in. Next up, we have line three. Who's on line three? Paul Robinson. Paul Robinson. How are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. I'm uh, very warm, actually. I'm in a very hot uh, India where it's 38 degrees. Paul, no one trots the globe uh, on the entire history of Media Talk like Paul Robinson. Well, there you go. Well, it's beautiful to hear from you, Paul. And, and, uh, and uh, it feels like, uh, given your, your globe-trotting status, it feels, uh, feels like I should be asking for some kind of thoughts, uh, maybe with a, a, a global perspective. Well, it's very interesting here in India. I mean, you've got a population of well over a billion people. Media is huge. I mean, everybody has got a mobile phone. People are buying tablets and computers like they're going out of fashion. Yet they'll live in very modest um, houses by Western standards. But they're all watching television. They're all uh, consuming video uh, while they're going around. And um, the media's very healthy. Radio is huge here, uh, bigger than in other, other countries, partly because of the affordability of it. Pay television is still relatively in its infancy, but there are four big players and growing very rapidly. So I think India is a, a very fast follower. And uh, without being entirely domestic-focused, I mean, how well is the UK positioned to, to, to exploit that? Or you know, how much has it done? Or, or is, is, is it behind the game al- already in terms of, uh, you know, exploiting that, uh, making the most of those opportunities? Well, I think the UK's got a special relationship with India. Clearly, there's a lot of work being done by UK producers so that here. Uh, there's more and more production being done here, and exporting of British production skills is you know, growing. Um, I think uh, the language that the English is probably really the national la- language of India, because there are you know, 12, 13 regional dialects, everyone speaks English is another big advantage. The other thing, of course, is there's all the FTPs, all the formats that are, are growing. So um, I think there is uh, more opportunity for UK companies, but there's certainly a lot of presence in the UK and Britain uh, on the ground here, right across television in, in all fields. Okay, Paul. Well, fantastic. Very good to hear from you. Uh, it's, it's not the best of lines, but it's, it's remarkable we can hear you in such good clarity at all. So uh, thanks very much, and thanks for all the uh, thanks for your con- contributions to, uh, to Media Talk. It's a great pleasure. And uh, I will miss that small broom cupboard uh, in the old gardening offices with the egg boxes on the wall. It was uh, a modest but uh, appropriate start, I think. <laughs> Paul, you've shattered the illusion with your last line. Paul, Paul Robinson, thank you very much. I'm so sorry. Okay, line four. Who's, who's on line four? John, John Plankett, uh, broadcast and minor celebrity 
Richard Bacon. It's Richard Bacon, everyone. If only this, <laughs> if only this was Zoo Radio. Consider a cheer. Just went out, Richard. I know, but I, as with uh, a lot of animals in zoos, I understand that this podcast is endangered, John. What, what, what does the future hold for it the is... Media Talk podcast? That's why I've rung in. I've heard a rumour. What's happening? This is just like BBC Three a few, a few, uh, a few months ago, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, that's really sad. And I'm just ringing, first of all, to offer my condolences. My thoughts are with you and uh, your colleagues from the Media Thought Podcast at this difficult time. You may have noticed that I'm on a train. Uh, this is a train, John, that I'm very familiar with because the BBC, you know, the BBC can make some unusual decisions. You know, it made that, made that decision to move BBC Three online. Well, it also made a decision to move Radio 5 Live to Salford. So um, I'm on a train that I spend a lot of time on. Hence why you'll be able to hear some, some quite loud Hanoi announcements. In the- oh, there's one now. This is like a day in the life of bacon. First, I hope first-class travel, Richard. <laughs> I mean, that's basically... That was the reason that BBC Three was moved online. So that its budget has gone from, I think, £70 million down to about £20 million. And what they're doing with that £50 million saving is they're ploughing it into first-class travel <laughs> for staff who are journeying to Salford. And this is, is it licence refunded travel or do you have to take the heat yourself, Richard? Because you're not. Yeah, I have to take the heat myself, which uh, is, uh, yeah, you can imagine, if you can imagine, I'm delighted about. Makes it a pleasure um, to go to work. You'll be, but, you know, I, I sneak in, in, if you're in London, make no mistake about that, you'll be amazed how many reasons one can come up with for, <laughs> <laughs> for being in London. Yeah, some presenters more than others, by all accounts. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say too much about that because that's what I think is called internally a sensitive area. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any upside in talking about it a great deal. Um, but, but John, one of the things that's always made this journey easier that I've been talking about, this journey from London to Salford and Salford uh, to London again, has been listening to the Media Talk podcast. And uh, it's going, I don't know why it's going, it's not a decision that I understand or support. And I say this without irony or, or sarcasm, that um, I will genuinely miss the Media Talk podcast. Well, Richard, kind words, kind words. Thank you very much, sir. Uh-huh, my pleasure. Thank you, John. And that's it. Not just for this special edition of Media Talk, but eight years of Media Talk from The Guardian. Who'd have thought we'd be outlived by the BBC Trust and the Press Complaints Commission? But if you're looking for a new podcast to fill the void in your life where Guardian Media Talk once stood, you'll be interested to know that producer Matt is off to make a new podcast series all about the media. And I should say this venture is totally independent and unaffiliated to The Guardian in any way, just to make that clear. For more details, follow at Virtual Matt Hill on Twitter or visit his website, rethinkdaily.co.uk. And you can also follow me, as if you don't already, at John Plunkett 149 But what better way to bring this podcast to a close than the words of Genesis and their 1980 hit, Turn It On Again, which reached number eight in the UK charts. We haven't got it. Ah, okay, well, I'll read them out instead. All I need is a TV show, that and the radio. I've known you for so very long, I feel you're like a friend. Turn it on again, turn it on again, turn it on again. Yes, dear listener, it just goes to show that sometimes only Phil Collins will do. You've been listening to Media Talk from The Guardian. Our thanks to all the presenters, contributors and producers over the last eight years. And a special thank you to the producer for the last two of them, Mr Matt Hill. Thanks for listening. For more great downloads, go to theguardian.com/audio.
Support for this Guardian podcast comes from Squarespace, providing creative tools that help you bring your ideas to life. Squarespace offers free domain names, customizable designs, drag and drop tools, and 24-7 supports. Squarespace also offers seamless e-commerce solutions for you or your small business. Every design automatically includes a unique mobile experience that matches the overall style of your website, so your content will look brilliant on any device. Start your free trial today. No credit card required. As a Guardian podcast listener, you'll get 10% off your new account by using the offer code GUARDIAN.
Did, did you press record? <laughs> it says, can we do it all again? Do we need to do it all again? It was that time that we did pre- didn't press record and had to do it all again. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll keep that in.